Proverbs chapter 20 verse 7 says the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. It's Father's Day. And not everyone has been blessed the way I was. For example, Jesse never met and doesn't know her biological father other than just a name. My father was so good that he even took her in as one of his own. And when she was sick during pregnancy and I wasn't there, he was there holding her hair back for her, lovingly caring for her, and showed me love by being willing to teach her to drive. Because it wasn't working when I was trying. And I can't recall very many times, if any, that I called my father with a need or a question that he was not able to meet the need and or answer the question. But Daniel, Daniel and his three friends were not as lucky. As a result of the captivity and exile, they no longer had access to their earthly fathers. They were taken away at young ages. And in our story, they are faced with a real problem. So let me begin this morning with a very important question. Where do you turn when, as we read already in verse 10, there wasn't a man on earth who could meet the demands? Where do we turn? Now last Sunday I concluded my message with the infamous to be continued. And as chapter 2 began, we found King Nebuchadnezzar agitated because he couldn't remember a troubling dream he had. And that was a real problem for him because in his belief system, that meant that his gods were angry with him. And not only that, his own professional dream interpreters couldn't help him. And he became even more agitated when he came to the opinion that they were just stalling and putting him off. And that's when things got serious for Daniel and his friends. And the decree went out for the wise men to be killed, which included Daniel and his friends. And that's where we stopped with the decree going out. And so as we begin today to dig into our text, at verse 14, our text simply says, Then Daniel replied. We haven't heard about Daniel and his three friends in the first 12 verses. But they were obviously included in the group since now their lives are also being threatened. And so Daniel gets involved. Let's look at verses 14 to 16. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. 
he declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. You could call these principles of good fatherhood. But really, what we're going to see about Daniel's getting involved is that what he did are things that you and I should all be doing as we strive to relate to others. And the first thing that we see about Daniel's involvement is that he was tactful. The narrative doesn't explain how Daniel was able to have an audience with Nebuchadnezzar when he was in fact under the same threat of death. And how does Daniel secure the very item that the magicians were denied? The more time. These are all questions that we don't have answers for. But one thing that we can see as we make our way through the book of Daniel is that the providential care of God is always at work in this book. Why did Daniel and his friends not know about the general order to execute all the wise men of Babylon? The text doesn't say. Their apparent isolation from the other experts, I think, suggests that this story is taking place within that first three years of training when they themselves had asked to be sequestered, to be given different food. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, suggested two other possibilities. He said that when the king was promising rewards and gifts and great honor, Daniel and his three friends, they didn't care to go before the king because they didn't want it to look like they were shamelessly grasping after the wealth and honor of the Chaldeans. He said if that's not the case, there's also the possibility that being envious of the Jews' reputation and learning, that the Chaldeans entered before the king as if to obtain the rewards themselves. We really don't know. But what we do know was that Daniel was tactful. Those, those first two adjectives. He didn't go in there screaming, showering, hollering, shouting, why are you going to kill us? Why didn't you ask me about the dream? You know. He goes in very tactfully. But also, he, he's very practical about it. In verse 16, we're told that Daniel did seek an appointment. He didn't demand one. But right away in verse 17, we find him informing his three friends and including them. And when the so-called professionals told the king that divine revelation was needed to reconstruct the dream, they didn't realize how right they were. And that was the reason why Daniel and his friends prayed to God. But there was also a very practical reason involved in it. The text says that he did that because, quote, he and his companions might not be destroyed. Not only that, 
as I already alluded to in verse 18, they prayed. They prayed because they were prayerful. They prayed that God would reveal the mystery of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and in doing so, to show God's reality and power and wisdom. Not to bring credit on themselves. I think it's important. I think it's important for us to note that their prayer presupposes the revelatory nature of God. They knew that God could, in fact, reveal His identity by doing something. Uh, and, and possibly make Himself manifest as had happened before in the ministries of Israel's great prophets. For instance, Amos chapter 3, verse 7. It states, Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan to His servants, the prophets. I don't know, have you heard the song, if you listen to contemporary Christian music, there's a song that a girl wrote because she grew up where there were no lightning bugs. Now I thought about this coming home last night because three of them decided to commit suicide while their lights were lit on our window. But in the song she talks about how she and her dad were out at a field and one lit. And then another and another and many lit. And her dad, the, the catalyst for her writing the song was her dad said to her, how can anybody see this and not believe that there's a creator God? God makes himself known. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10. I made known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come? I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Maybe this is a good time to ask. Is it possible that we fail so often in life because we fail to pray? Listen to what Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. Chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. You want to read about that affliction? Go to Philippians and hear how he said, I didn't know whether I wanted to live or die. That's how bad it was. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Is it possible 
that we are failing in life so often that we are not dealing good enough with the many troubles that come our way because we are not willing to take the shortest trip that there is from our knees to the ground in prayer. In my library, there's a special bookshelf that has a, a glass opening and behind that you can see many really, really old books from the 1800s. They are books from the library of Ernest Hunter Ray. When Ernest Hunter Ray passed away and they went in to remove things from his office, clean things out, there was a table that had a Bible on it and a notepad. And in front of the table, on the floor, there were two circular places of carpet worn out where his knees were spent in prayer. I shared with you last Sunday how my friend Mark Mangano tweaking the work of Prince Lou has demonstrated the chiastic structure of this second chapter with the prayer of Daniel and his friends to God verses 17 to 23 being the focal point of the second chapter. In the midst of a very tenuous situation they were prayerful but they were also thankful. Sometimes we we pray but our prayers sound more like a an organ recital. God take care of this organ that's hurting and this organ or you know. Listen to Daniel verses 19 to 23. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom being but wisdom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with Him. To you, O God my, of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have... And, and have and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. He hasn't been told yet whether he's going to live. And yet he's thanking God. Yes, the mystery is revealed to him in night, by a night vision. And we have this Essentially, him of praise. Remember what the Bible says? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is your mouth demonstrating about what is in your heart? He had seen what he believed to be no way out. And yet others before him and after him 
lost their lives. But he acted in confidence that God would provide all that was needed. And so the very next verse, verse 24, says, Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Now I don't know about you. I know me, and I know me all too well. I would have been tempted just to go to the king and say, hey, I can do it so you can kill them because they can't, but I'm okay, I can tell you. But he didn't. He went and he was moved to action demonstrating that he was in fact also purposeful. He didn't, uh, his, his prayer didn't remove him from the realm of action and purpose. But it in fact drove him into it. Are you familiar with uh, the movie, 72 movie called The Poseidon Adventure? I'm not a big fan of remakes and I did not like the remake. I liked the original. And in that 1972 film, five Oscar winners Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Jack Albertson, Shelley Winters, and Red Buttons. It was the story of an aging luxury liner on a, its last voyage from New York to Athens. And a tsunami, a tsunami capsized it so that the ship was upside down. There is a scene in the movie where the group is all in an upside down ballroom. And the one priest, or at least dressed as a priest, priestly garb collar, so you'd know he was a minister, said to the group, Oh, well, let's stay here. Let's stay here and pray that we'll be rescued. At the same time, the younger priest, preacher said, no, no, let's pray, but let's also be climbing our way up to the bottom of the boat so that we can be rescued. A lot of religious symbolism in that movie, by the way. As they're going down through the boat, which is really up now, they come to a place where in order to get to where they need to go, there's steam coming out of this pipe. But they see a turnoff valve. The minister jumped out and grabbed that valve and started turning it until he shut the steam off hanging there, but then fell to his death. He hung and died so that the others could live. Isn't that interesting? But what I like about the message in that little scene with the two religious leaders 
is that they showed that the answer is not just to sit and pray and wait for God to do everything. The answer is to pray as if nothing we can do will help, but then do everything we can do as if our prayer might not have been heard. And in the combination of that, the prayer was answered. There's one more thing that I think we see about Daniel in this. And it comes out in verses 28 and verse 30. And that was, he was humble. He admits that there is no wise man, no enchanter. None of them could answer the king's demands. But he said there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He wasn't taking any credit. In verse 30, he says the mystery was revealed to him. Tactful, prayerful, practical, thankful, purposeful, humble. I think maybe that's what we should pray for on this Father's Day. That all of us will dare to be people just like Daniel. And the result is that the dream was in fact explained to him. Verses 31 to 45, he tells the king his dream. And then, which we'll come back to because it's repeated later in the book, uh, in the dream appeared a quarried rock which struck and destroyed this big statue that was made up of four different kinds of metals, all with decreasing values. This rock destroys it, and the rock had two noteworthy features. It was not made by human hands, verse 34. And secondly, that rock became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. The activity was universal. What we're seeing in Daniel is a picture of Christ and the kingdom coming, which reveals itself throughout history then. And then in verses 46 to 49, because Daniel is able to answer that prayer, he gets promoted. Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel and made a profession of recognizing God. The appointment of Daniel's companions in verse 49 also, I think, explains their presence at the event that's going to follow in chapter 3. But listen to me. Don't make too much of Nebuchadnezzar's confession here. Because I think we're going to see in chapter 3 that his profession... What one person referred to, by the way, as Nebuchadnezzar gets religious, it was only superficial. Daniel had cooperated, but he didn't compromise. He was both willing to and prepared to stand out from the world, to stand up for God, and to stand still long enough to see the solution. This young girl that we saw, 
I had no idea years ago. We moved there, by the way, in 2004, left in 2016. I had no way of knowing back then what those contacts with some of those young people would result in. Sometimes we just have to sit still and wait. So here's my challenge for this morning. If we're going to have any success in this area in terms of the kingdom and kingdom growth, we're going to need to learn the value of being practical, prayerful, purposeful. We're going to need to learn how to cooperate without compromising. Because, because we stand on what this book teaches. Others, others are taking notice. We cannot compromise the message. But we certainly need to think about how we can tweak some of the methods. Not only do we need to learn how to cooperate without compromising, we need to learn how to pray without fossilizing. If the way we did things in the past led to where we are today, then we need to reconsider the methods we used so that we don't repeat some of the mistakes while maintaining the message. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the stories that we have that we can learn from. Stories that have historical evidence supporting them and yet have that theological dimension of showing us how a man like Daniel in a tough situation could remain true, could be tactful, who could be practical, who could be prayerful and purposeful, and by doing so could be used as an instrument for your kingdom. Help us to now go and do likewise. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Our hymn of commitment this morning, our hymn of invitation, is the song, Rescue the Perishing. We'll sing two verses. Let's stand together.
thing by way of closing. Today we start a junior high retreat. On Wednesday we have a day camp. Thursday we start a little camp for three days. That ends on Saturday. And then on Sunday we start the junior retreat. And when it ends on Tuesday, on Wednesday, we have a group from Living Hope coming in that will be there till Saturday morning. So uh, every day. And that is good. I don't mind being busy when it's being busy for the Lord. In fact, I don't do well with office, to be honest. So. All right, if there's nothing else, yeah, okay. Eleven, we're going to meet at the eleven thirty at the Good Table for King's Daughters on Thursday. This Thursday. This Thursday. Okay, eleven thirty. Yeah, Pat. No more seniors until September. No more seniors till September. We're just going to do away with them. We're just not going to feed them. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's good for us old men to hear. All right. Now, on the flip side of that, <laughs> I was at Dollar General, and this guy said, here, let me get let you buy, young man. And I said, well, thank you, but not often do people younger than me let me buy. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, younger than you, right. And I said, no, really, I guarantee I'm older than you. And he said, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 70. And he said, oh. And he turned and walked around the end of the aisle. And then he stepped back and he said, you don't look 70. <laughs> and went on his way. So I don't act it either. I'm still working on my teens in terms of the age. Okay? Something was said to me this week that uh, we need to pray about. Um, a young man that had been in our jam program and then the children, the whatever the next name was, I apologize, but I can't think of it, um, says, why aren't you guys having a Wednesday night youth gathering? Uh, my brother and I would be glad to come. So, so we need to pray about pray having somebody and volunteers to help and having an after school program again for the youth. Amen. This, this was, uh, I think, he's probably, he's in junior high, his younger brother is in um, upper elementary, I think, and they were coming in, they were coming into age to come into jam, they were four. All right. Anything else? Well, let's pray, we'll sing our closing hymn, and we will go to serve others. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity this morning to come together. Thank you for loving us, for being our Heavenly Father. Help us to be better children. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. It's not I have decided to seek you first.
yesterday yeah most of them like wore like, uh, the youth small all the ones that did the youth small they picked the green <laughs> shirt <laughs> and then Eddie and Anthony picked the gray uh, yeah. I wish I would have put
most masculine ones I could find. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll grab one for Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, she wouldn't be able to clean it up. 